Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying only on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots. It's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Pray on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. Genetic power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a kid that's found his dad's gun. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc is now in the possession of the Army. Too many others know what's happening out there, and no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man. That state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. It's about time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of space, intellects vast and cool and unsympathetic regarded our planet with envious eyes. Each of us, when separated, is always looking for our other half. And the desire and the pursuit of the whole is called love. Heart perception will change everything. Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes. Broadcasting from the Sonoran Desert, 
I'm your host, Ryan Gable, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings Radio. If you'd like to contact the show, email rdgable at yahoo.com or tstradio at protonmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook if you'd like to follow the show. And of course, online at www.thesecretteachings.info. Our website has our free show archive and all of my books along with our montages and more www.thesecretteachings.info Some of you may have noticed that Aftermath also has the Secret Teachings archive on it now. Those of you who are subscribers to Ground Zero and all of the other goodies they have on Aftermath, starting today, the Secret Teachings can be accessed through Aftermath if you're a subscriber of our website, Don't go cancel your subscription. You can keep your subscription. It can keep renewing as long as you'd like. For other people who don't have a subscription, you will be able to subscribe to The Secret Teachings now, either for the single show or for the whole thing. My show, Clyde's show, and all the other stuff. I think you get Conspirifact as well on Aftermath. So check that out. I know a lot of our listeners are listening in the archive later. So whether you're aware of our show or... Clyde's show or Wes's show, Aftermath FM and the secret teachings.info. That's aftermath.media, and you can access the website. We'll be getting you more details on how all of that works because we're just in the transitional period. So if you have questions, please don't be afraid to shoot me an email. Tonight on the show, we could take this in a lot of different directions. It might not go in the direction you think it's going to go in to start. But I was watching this video last night, my friend Stephen Cambion, he does really great videos, really great work on YouTube, and he does a lot of um, a lot of shows where he exposes, call them grifters or con artists or scammers or charlatans, etc. I, I, I watched his more recent videos, I think he posted it last night, about Randy Kramer. I don't know if you know Randy Kramer, but I think it's like a half hour video that Stephen Cambion did. This guy is another con artist, another fraud. He claims that, you know, there's <laughs> he's got these 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 medical beds kind of like um, from Alien, you know, or Elysium. And apparently if you lost a leg or an arm, the med bed can help you regrow the leg or the arm. I, I, I don't know about you, but I am beyond the point of being beyond the point of being beyond the point of being sick and tired of the charlatans and the con artists and the scammers and the the grifters. And I'm just so sick of it. I mean, to the point now where I don't even get upset about it. I just, I laugh at it. I just can't believe that these people get attention anywhere. They post their content. I, I don't understand why so many people follow these, let's call them false prophets. I mean, Randy Kramer, yeah, David Wilcock, you know that name. I've said it over and over and over again. But I mean, Marina Serene is another, Serene, Serene, whatever her name is. She's another one. She's in contact with aliens and she was an SS general. And it, it, it just never ends. It just it never ends with these people. Uh, it's like they're like bees or gnats or noceums or uh, they're just like these little pests, these little insects that just buzz around. 
And no, no offense to insects. I mean, they serve a purpose. These con artists don't serve a purpose. They're delusional. Uh, and it's not, they're not just con artists uh, that you would say are, you know, selling you med beds or selling you, you know, QAnon garbage or whatever it is. It's, it's also people that are super Christian. I mean, David Koss is another one. And he says that he's in contact with some federation and they told him that, Planet X is coming back and he can tell the public to get out of the state of Florida because Planet X is going to flood Florida. It's just it, it never ends with these people. It never, ever, ever ends. And I said on a recent show on Monday's show, seeing through the UFO prism, if you haven't heard that show, please go back and listen to it. I thought it was a really good show. We looked at the subject of UFOs and how the U.S. government has told us pretty much the same thing for 75 years. If you paid attention to the 1940s official government reporting through Project Blue Book in the 60s, all we heard about was that these craft were largely identifiable, but some were not, and the ones that were not displayed maneuverable, uh, maneuvering capabilities that were beyond scope. We, we didn't really understand how these things were flying or how they were staying in the air, etc., and that's precisely what the, uh, the intelligence agencies in the Pentagon told us in January of this year, in 2023, 75 years later, they told us the same thing. Some of the objects cannot be explained, some of the signs can't be explained, and the maneuver, uh, maneuvering capability is just beyond scope. They're telling us the same thing for 75 years, right? And the, the idea that we should just believe the government now because they... They are echoing within our, our echo chamber, uh, not my echo chamber, but people that have been saying that the government's lying. And But when the government admits that UFOs are real, suddenly everybody believes it, right? And I can't help but think, as we discussed last night on the show, if you miss any of our shows, I, I sort of try to sew them together. So it's this like week-long tapestry of all these, these things that are in some way interconnected, even if it's just in theme. And last night I, I kind of discussed how, you know, these these kinds of things that that we believe suddenly, like UFOs, for example, we believe suddenly the government's telling the truth. Or as we discussed last night, uh, now it's mainstream media. Oh, the virus from Wuhan, it probably came out of a lab. And the Department of Energy says and the FBI says and oh, yeah, natural immunity is a real thing, says NBC News and the alternative media just eats it up. They're like, oh, see, look, we were right the whole time. Well, what if they're lying again or if they're lying still just because they now admit it and everybody just believes it? I, I couldn't help but think with those examples that the last two shows we did, that what government is, is effectively doing or what the media is effectively doing is not much different than what people like Marina Serene or Randy Kramer or David Koss or any of the other charlatans that you can find online or at, uh, you know, probably a, a conference that you go to, you, f you find these people everywhere. And it's not just in some alternative community or some fringe section of the internet. Uh, these are the same kinds of people that are working for CNN. They're working for Fox news. They're working for alternative media um, there have been plenty of charlatans and con artists that you've heard on the biggest sh radio shows, the, the smallest radio shows. I mean, the the the, the um, third phase of the moon people, the 
the Edge of Wonder boys, twins, whatever they are. It's just everything is like set up to rip you off. I mean, it's almost as bad as like going to to buy a car at a dealership. You you know you're going to get ripped off. You know that you're going to get ripped off. There's no chance that you won't get ripped off. You're going to get ripped off. That's that's what it's like interacting with people online when you're talking about UFOs or alternative methods of healing or whatever the case is. It's everybody selling you this false bill of goods. Everything is a bait and switch. It feels like there are very few honest people that you can trust. And this, and this is unfortunate for a lot of reasons, but particularly and for, for me specifically, because I'm a radio host, but particularly for anybody who really wants to explore the unknown, to explore the unexplained and to maybe try to explain it, not just to use the unexplained or the unexplored because people naturally are interested in the mysteries of the world, of the universe, of, of, of themselves, not just to use it to make money, but to really explore it, to try to find out what is happening, to try to figure out, you know, what, what is, what is going on. Um, that's why I like Charles Fort. I mean, Charles Fort documented uh, a, a tremendous amount of weird and bizarre things that happened. Uh, if you read Charles Fort's work, it was just a lot of documentation. That's kind of what I try to do here on The Secret Teachings. I try to sort of document weird things when they happen. Uh, for example, here's a very weird thing that has happened recently. And this is close to me because I grew up, I went to high school in West Virginia. And uh, there's a Weird. Actually, my mom sent this to me, and then I found it online as well, separately. There's about a couple a couple of days ago. There's this weird white powder falling out of the sky in West Virginia. In fact, not just West Virginia, but also in, in Northern Virginia and also in Maryland. This weird white powder that was you can see videos of it. It was falling out of the sky, and it was coating vehicles and I assume you know the streets and sidewalks and houses and trees. And there were so many reports of this, it wasn't one person that saw it. So many reports of this, the West Virginia Department of Environmental Protection launched its own investigation. And they, they originally said, and I, I get, you know, they got to rule out everything, you know, in the process of investigation. So they, they first thought, okay, maybe it's from dust storms in Texas and New Mexico. I find that really, really hard to believe, but that kind of stuff does happen, so... They said maybe it's that, and then they thought oh, maybe it's something to do with the chemicals from the train derailment in eastern Ohio. It could be that. But the weird thing is people in West Virginia were reporting that there were planes flying over, dropping the white powder. I mean, if this was like early 2000s, it, it, people would think it's anthrax. It's, it's also West Virginia, so it snows there, so they know the difference between snow and some weird white powder falling out of the sky. But people reported planes flying over and dropping this white powder. Now, some people think, and I'm one to at least think it, I don't know if I believe it, but think that perhaps due to the movie White Noise, the train wreck in East Palestine was maybe some kind of experiment. You know, they did have a fitting of little tracker bracelets, some kind of health experiment a few weeks before the train incident, and of course, the movie, part of it was filmed there. Some of the people in that town are in the movie about a train wreck and evacuating of the town and the chemicals and all this. And some people think that this was an experiment. And 
I don't think that that's unrealistic. We have a long history of governments experimenting on their citizens, even the U.S. government experimenting on their citizens, whether that's spraying heavy metals over St. Louis, largely in ghettos and black neighborhoods, or if it's the Tuskegee experiment, uh, the syphilis with the was like 399 or 400 black men uh, that were experimented on, uh, or it was... Uh, well, I mean, pretty much any drug or vaccine program is an experiment. See what happens once everybody takes it. Uh, the list goes on and on and on. Yellow fever, downwinders, and, and so forth. So a lot of people think maybe the train wreck in Ohio is, is a planned thing. Maybe the same thing is happening in West Virginia. It's not far-fetched to think that if planes are flying over, pushing this white powder out, it's probably not cocaine, that it's probably something to... to, to, to um, to test, to experiment on. Might not be toxic, but who knows what it is. Uh, otherwise, nobody really has any clue. And at least if West Virginia's Department of Environmental Protection does have a clue, they're still not saying this. So, uh, they're still not saying what the clue is. They're not telling us what it is. So it's a weird 14-like event, but it's not really that 14 because people saw planes pushing the white powder all over the all over the countryside. So something weird was happening there. Now that particular story is strange. It's weird. It's unexplained. It's one of those 14 type things. And it's something that we might never you know, know the answer to. But here's the, here's the problem. Because it's so weird and because it's so mysterious, and maybe you have, maybe you haven't heard of this, this opens the door for these con artists and charlatans and frauds to claim, because nobody else knows, to claim that they have inside information and they know what it is. Now, I haven't heard anybody do this with the white powder in West Virginia and Maryland because it's not that big of a story. But if it was that big of a story, you'd have people claiming that they know what it is because they have inside contacts. It's the same thing with the UFOs that were, were shot down or supposed UFOs over Alaska and Canada and Lake Huron. Marina Serene said that she knew that these were UFOs and aliens and she was talking to the aliens and they're upset about it. And it's like people actually believe that because it was a big story. How about a small story like this? Where is Marina Serene on this? Where are all these all these experts and insiders on this? Nowhere, because it's not a big story. Not as many people are paying attention, so it doesn't get as many clicks online. Okay, that's that's how you know when you have a fraud. That's how you know when you have a grifter, a charlatan, a snake oil salesperson. This is a good example, I think. Because I could sit here and tell you I know what it is, but I don't know what it is. I could lie to you. Maybe you'll give me money. But it's, it's, it's really sick that people would rather give money to people that are lying because the people that are lying tell them feel-good stories and tell them they have all the answers. And when someone tells you they have all the answers or implies they have all the answers, they're lying to you or they're lying to themselves or they're lying to themselves and they're lying to you. But this white powder is a really good example because if this was a bigger story, it would be all over the place and people would be telling you, yes, I know what this is and all the same con artists and grifters, whatever you want to call them, charlatans, etc., They'd be making their videos and they'd be lying to you and they'd be making money. I don't even know if these kinds of people like the Randy Kramer types, like David Koss, like the, the Wilcox and the Goods and all these people. There's so many of them. Uh, I don't even know if these people actually believe what, what they say. They just know that you, know, you, you, you can make a, 
a lot of money and you can get a lot of attention and a following and it makes true research and true investigation into the paranormal or into the 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 abnormal or into the mysterious or into the the, the abyss makes it really really difficult especially when everybody's trying to sell you something you know uh, media tries to sell you something. Government tries to sell you something. Uh, alternative communities try to sell you something. I mean, look, look at the idea of, you know, just the idea of UFOs. It's like it, it's either explained and some are mysterious, but they can't tell you what they are. But they're probably not aliens, but they might be, which it just leaves the door open. Or on the other side, you have people that say, oh, I'm, ch- I'm channeling the aliens and they told me what, what what's there. Uh, what what they're doing, what their plan is, or what their agenda is. It, it, where's the middle ground here? Where's the middle ground? M- maybe these. Maybe we're looking at the subject of UFOs in a in a very one dimensional way. In the same way we look at everything else. Oh, if it, if the virus wasn't natural, then it had to have come out of a lab. Well, what if it was somewhere in the middle? What if it was somewhere in the middle? And the people that say that they don't get the same kind of of, of attention because everything is so polarized. There's just there's everything is such a dichotomy. It's this extreme polarity. It's either that or this. And that's not that's not how things are. So it's not just government and media and con artists online selling you a false bill of goods and bait and switch and selling you these fake stories and whatever. It's also, you know, the mainline academic scientific communities that sell you the same kind of garbage and, and not just with vaccines. I mean, one of the best examples of this, I wanted to point this out, take you back in time a little bit. I don't know if you remember a character called the Piltdown Man or the, is the they call it the Piltdown Case. Uh, one of the greatest hoaxes probably ever in archaeology, in science, it, it, totally fake, totally made up. So let's let's take a look at that story because it'll help us to understand a little bit of what's happening, what's going on today. And we'll start here. So since Charles Darwin released his evolutionary theories in the 1850s, scientists have been looking for proof of a missing link, this phase between full ape and full man. And in 1912, an Englishman named Charles Dawson announced that he'd found that missing link in a gravel pit in Piltdown. He used the fossils to build a skull model with a modern human-sized brain and an ape-like jaw, and England, of course, England, declared itself to be the real birthplace of modern humanity. Other scientists took issue, though, mostly because the skeletal remains didn't match other fossils found around the world, including the Australopithecines dug up in South Africa. In 1915, Dawson doubled down on his claim and said that he had actually found a second similar fossil and... A lot of people believe this. Took until the 1950s for British scientists using new technology to date the Piltdown man or the Piltdown men. And they decided that the remains were only 500 years old, not 1 million years old. And that it was just too convenient that Charles Dawson happened to find proof of the missing link. And the missing link was also English. It's amazing. Turns out it was all a all a fraud. The Encyclopedia Britannica says fossilized fragments of cranium and jawbone were found in 1912 by Charles Dawson in a gravel formation at Barkham Manor on Piltdown Common near Lewes, England. 
Together with these were fossil remains of extinct animals, which suggested an early Pleistocene age for the site. In 1953 and 1954, as an outcome of later discoveries of fossil man and intensive re-examination, the remains were shown to be skillfully disguised fragments of a quite modern human cranium and an ape jaw fraudulently introduced into the shallow grave. So they just placed the jaw of the ape there to make it to make it look like this is an incredible story uh, in the early 20th century. They just placed an ape jaw there to like, oh, look, we found an ape jaw and there's a part human and there's the missing link. And it just happens to be English as well. The animal bones were found to be genuine remains of extinct species, but they were not of British provenance. The eventual exposure of the fraud clarified the sequence of human evolution by removing the greatest anomaly in the fossil record. At the time, at the same time, a series of valuable new tests were developed for scientific or future scientific study. So that's the Encyclopedia Britannica. This is one of the greatest hoaxes of science ever, the Piltdown Man hoax. Uh, Charles Dawson, they don't know exactly how he did it, but they find these genuine remains of, of animal bones. And this is usually how this kind of work goes. You, you find things in the ground and then you decide, hmm, okay, these things are that old. So if they're associated on this layer with this thing and this other thing, you know, this pot or whatever is on that layer, that must mean the pot is this many years old. You know, depending on what kind of testing they use, what kind of association they use, you know, and, and, and the people that built that pot or that made that pot could be uh, much, much older. Uh, but we date it to a certain time. It's it's very rigid and kind of very arbitrary. But Charles Dawson just found this pit of bones and he said, oh, OK, well, let's throw some skulls, a little a monkey skull in there, <laughs> little little ape skull in there. And look, we found the remains of the missing link. It just very, very conveniently, an Englishman found the remains of of the missing link at an English site at Barkham Manor on Piltdown Common. Just coincidentally, just conveniently, but it turns out that these remains were not a million years old. They were more like, what, 500 years old. It was a fraud. It was made up. It wasn't real. It's not just people on YouTube. It's not just people on TikTok. It's not just people trying to get clicks and likes and clout. It's the mainstream scientific community. And what they don't manipulate and lie about in terms of something that's, that's physical, that's real, like the date of a location or the date of an object, they just make things up. And the weird thing is I, I remember learning about the, the Piltdown Man in school, and I remember about pretty much how the, you know, they told us it was a hoax, but for forever people believed it was, was real. Like that, that's a good teaching moment to teach kids that just because you read something in a book or because everybody thinks they know something doesn't mean that it's real. That's not what our teacher did. We just moved on. But this is a good teaching moment for all of us. The mainstream scientific community from about 1912 to 1953, several decades, believed they had the missing link. And we can imagine that Students in school learned about this missing link and the Piltdown Man and the Brits felt like they were superior because they have the missing link. And turns out it was all made up. And this kind of thing happens all the time. And it's not a new thing. That's where the idea of snake oil comes from. We're going to explore this tonight on The Secret Teachings. There's a strange story out of Japan about a mermaid that was found 
I'll tell you more about that when we come back from break. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings, and there's a lot more after this. Don't go anywhere. It's 2023, the year of the rabbit, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings on GroundZero.radio. This is The Secret Teachings. If you'd like to contact the show, email Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com or find him on Facebook at facebook.com slash thesecretteachings. Hey there, it's Ryan Gable. You know you can always listen to The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday on GroundZero.radio. I don't need it. And for free in the monetized archives on our website or on any radio or podcast player. I don't need it. But you can also help support the show by subscribing to the ad-free archive with montages, digital books, and a private RSS feed. I definitely don't need it. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info and subscribe today. I need it! Your support economically and energetically will keep us on air into the future. If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, and from mythology to alchemy, then why not check out the book Occult Arcana? Maybe you want to look at technology, black goo, UFOs, and demonic pacts made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir. Or if that's not enough, check out Good Philosophy. All three of these books are available in softcover or PDF at www.thesecretteachings.info. That's where you can read reviews, see pictures, and even order yours today. It not only supports The Secret Teachings, but most importantly, it supports you. Broadcasting from somewhere between heaven, hell, and purgatory, it's The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Release the Kraken! Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Excellent shows with your host, Ryan Gable. When we think of hoaxes, when we think of grifting or when we think of con artists or charlatans or snake oil salesmen, we tend to think now in the modern age of people on the internet, using social media, maybe people that are on the lecture circuit, people that kind of run UFO alien type cults. And those people surely, in a lot of cases, are charlatans or con artists or whatever you choose to call them. But some of the greatest hoaxes ever orchestrated by man came out of the mainstream, mainline scientific communities. None of this is hidden or secreted away somewhere. It's pretty mainstream knowledge now because it's 100 years later, but... In the early 20th century, one of the greatest hoaxes ever perpetrated by archaeology began, and it took until the 1950s for that hoax to be overturned using new forms of technology. In 1912, Charles Dawson claimed that he had found the fragments of a cranium and jawbone 
in a gravel formation at Barkham Manor on Piltdown Common, right outside of England. Conveniently, this was just a few decades after Charles Darwin published his evolutionary theories, and based on theories, man was looking for the phase between ape and man. People like Charles Dawson, not Darwin, Charles Dawson, claim to have found those missing links. But it turns out those missing links were not the links. Turns out he planted them there alongside of animal bones that dated to hundreds of thousands, it was estimated, maybe even older. They believed at first that the Piltdown Man, as it is called, might have been a million years old. Turns out it was only a few hundred years old, and it was a hoax to make it seem as if Mr. Dawson had found not only the missing link, but he found it outside of England conveniently. There's the missing link, and the English are superior to everybody else, which, by the way, you know that the English believed that they had the master race, and that's why Adolf Hitler wanted Part of the reason Adolf Hitler wanted an agreement, wanted a deal done with the Brits because they also believed they had the master race. He wanted to work with them. And that idea of the master race and eugenics, that didn't come out of Germany. That didn't even come out of the United States. That came out of came out of England, came out of well, a large part of, of the United Kingdom, came out of uh, British ideology and philosophy. It's a separate subject, but something to think about. So the Piltdown Skull was a hoax. All of these little fragments that were pieced together were introduced artificially into the shallow gravels. The animal bones were found to be genuine. They were remains of extinct species, but they were not of British provenance. According to the Encyclopedia of Britannica, in 1953 and 1954, as an outcome of later discoveries of fossil man and intensive re-examination, the remains were shown to be skillfully disguised fragments of a quite modern human cranium and an ape or orangutan jaw fraudulently introduced into the shallow gravels. This is something that should make you think. You might have learned about Piltdown Man in school. I actually did. I remember, for some reason, this just sticks in my brain. I remember hearing about this in school, but it could have been used as a teaching moment. And I don't really recall our teacher using it as a teaching moment. It was just, this is the chronological history and this was a hoax, and let's move on. This is a great teaching moment because it teaches us that we can't always trust the science when they artificially introduce data, or in this case, they artificially introduce skull fragments of a, of a modern, at the time, modern human cranium. We have the same craniums they did 100 years ago, we, we assume, a modern human cranium uh, uh, of an ape jaw into, into this little gravel pit next to extinct species of animals, of so bones and things like that. It was made up. It's not real. It's just like when Pfizer recently said that, and this is on their website, that they do gain-of-function research on a computer, not in a laboratory, and that all the viruses they look at, all the mixing and matching of viral sequences, it's all done through a computer simulation. It's not real, but you think it's real. And it takes a lot for the public to recognize, oh, 
It's not real. It's all done on a computer. Climate change, all the projections, they're just computer models. And yeah, yeah, computer models can be helpful, but not if you're putting in information to get a certain outcome. Whether you're putting information into a computer to get a certain outcome, you want four, two plus two equals four, or you're putting the fragments of a modern human cranium and an ape jaw into a shallow shallow gravel pit so that the outcome is, oh, look, we found the missing link. It just happens to be right, right outside of England. <laughs> Who would have known? The missing link was right there the whole time. Of course, an Englishman discovered it. And I'm sure that if this would have happened anywhere else in the world, it would have been a, a German missing link or a Russian missing link or a this missing link or a that missing link. Could, could have been anything. Charles Dawson was a con artist. He might have done good work otherwise, but for some reason, we don't know all of his motivations, but for some reason, he decided to perpetuate this fraud. And it lasted, this is the crazy thing, it lasted from 1912 until about 1953. That, that, this is, we're talking a half a century people were taught about Piltdown Man. Half a century people went to college and were educated about Piltdown Man. And then it turns out the whole thing was made up. Not just we had some information wrong. Turns out he just plugged this fake information, this fake data, the bone fragments into this little shallow grave and boom, half a century of lies. Which really sets archaeology and all of the human sciences back a couple of steps. Because now you don't know what to trust. Now you don't know who to trust. And this applies to our current situation today or 10 years ago or 20 years ago or 30 years ago or 30 years into the future. It's not just people like Randy Kramer and David Koss and people like David Wilcock and Corey Good. It, it's not just people like Marina Saran. It's not just all these people on social media and on YouTube telling you and selling you these fake stories. It's also the mainstream media. It's also mainline academia selling you the same kinds of fictional, fraudulent stories for one reason or another. The Piltdown Man is one of the most famous hoaxes ever. Something that probably should be talked about a little bit more today in regard to all of the fake information that circulates all over the internet, all over social media. But here's the other thing too, just because something is considered let's say fake or kind of made up, like we would also think that a lot of myths are likewise, you know, they're made up. They're, they're, they're fragments of the imagination mixed and matched together over time with cultures. And, and we get these, these stories of half human, half animal creatures. And, but there's a lot in mythology or the mythological record, which is, true in regard to the human psyche or true in regard to actual physical places. Like the Bible is typically seen by a lot of people as being this, this fictional book and it's all made up. And then of course the other side is that it's the exact word of God, even though there's like a thousand versions and then there's red ink to show you what Jesus said. And it's really hard to really discern what's going on there. But the Bible does have some really good stories in it. 
some really good magical phrases. You know, read the book of Psalms. It has really good morals and, 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 and parables and stories that are, and, and historical accounts also. That's what I'm getting at. It has historical accounts, things that are actually true, that, that took place in real places. Maybe, or if maybe it's just fiction and, you know, it took place in a real place, it, the story, but the story was made up. Uh, but a lot of the Bible is is based on historical accounts from thousands of years ago in the same way that, you know, scientists famously believe that Troy was a mythological place, that Troy wasn't a real place, and then Troy was found. And, I mean, it just kind of kind of blows the the mainstream narrative apart when this Greek myth of the Trojan War turns out to have a factual basis in reality. Um, there is a lot, a uh, lot of cases like this. And you look at mythology in general. I mean, myth can mean a, a lot of different things, right? Uh, I mean, mythology in and of itself is kind of like a, a form of science. Um, Science is an observation of nature. Myth is a way to observe nature. It's a way to catalog and categorize things. To try to understand why things happen the, the way that they do. Myth is history. Myth is science mixed with a lot of other things. That doesn't mean that we should dismiss myth because in the case of Piltdown Man, this is scientific and academic fact from 1912 to 1953, and it turns out it's actually completely made up. None of it is real, except for the animal bones. But those weren't the center of attention. It's completely fictitious. Charles Dawson planted the human cranium and the ape jaw together in that gravel pit back in 1912. Fake, completely, 100% made up. And yet people believed it for decades. There are a lot of things... In the Bible, a lot of things in mythology that are a lot more accurate, despite their fantastical nature, that are a lot more accurate than the Piltdown Man. So we can't just dismiss myth outright because we look at it as just being a story. I mean, I, I always think what would happen in, uh, could, could be a couple hundred years or maybe even a thousand years, whatever, in the future, Archaeologists are doing some digging. They come across copies of Harry Potter. Language is much different. Culture is much different. Maybe there's a whole new breed of humans that live on planet Earth, whatever the case is. I just think if, if Harry Potter as a book series is examined and, and they don't understand that this is just a story, although it's based on, you know, it's a good story because it, it, it applies to all the archetypes and it, 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 uh, it appeals to uh both the positive and the negative within us. And it, it tells the classical uh, story of the villain and the hero and the journey and all that. And they look at it and think, okay, maybe Hogwarts is a real place. And Hogwarts isn't a real place, but maybe they find the remains of what's down there at Universal Studios. And oh, look, Hogwarts is a real place. You know, it was right on, right on uh, you know, maybe Florida looks different. And it's right on the water now, Hogwarts, the castle on the water. Like we, we have no idea. We, we try to do our best to discern what is real and what's not real, to discern what is more accurate and, and, and so on and so forth. But we really ultimately don't know 
It, it, that, that's not a, rel, a moral relative kind of an argument. It's just we really don't know. We don't know how future generations are going to see the things that we know inherently as fiction. But even that fiction is based off of very real things. So we have to be able to, to look at all of the different pieces, all of the different components. Again, the Piltdown Man story is probably one of the best examples of how mainline academia for decades, not all of academia, but a lot of academia, lied to their students, lied in the professional community, and the, the thing is, a lot of people probably didn't know they were lying because this was just what you did. This is just what you believed because Charles Dawson was an expert and he found it. One expert can wreck the whole system. Look at Dr. Fauci. Just one person in a top-down system where we just trust whatever the authority tells us. Piltdown man's real. Okay, Piltdown man's real. Troy's not a real place. Okay, Troy's not a real place. Turns out Piltdown Man is not real and Troy is a real place. Turns out a lot of the stuff that happened in the Bible actually happened. And if it didn't actually happen, the story that's being told has a good moral or a good um, underlying essence that teaches us a lesson. It's not just myth or some crazy religious thing or... All of it's 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 all mythology. It's all sociology. It's all cultural. It's all history, mixed and matched together. Um, she has passed away, but Linda Godfrey was one of my favorite authors. I loved listen listening to Linda talk about um, monsters and you know cryptids and creatures and stuff. And the last time she was on the show, in fact, I, I should probably pull those shows and and reupload them as best ofs. Uh, last time Linda Godfrey was on the show a couple of years ago, we talked about flamingos just because I, I like flamingos. I'm a Florida guy. I love flamingos. Uh, and we were I was asking her, I said, you know, it's kind of like like a flamingo. Like if you've never seen a flamingo, uh, you've only seen pictures of them or videos of them. As far as you can you're concerned, you, you might not even know they exist. They're just this fictional thing unless you've actually seen a flamingo. But I said the, the, the flamingo I'm using as an example because the flamingo is a really weird bird. It's very tall. It's pink. So it really stands out. It's just like it's totally bizarre. And uh, the flamingo, which was noticed by Europeans and, and, and the Spanish when they came and they were in Florida, they noticed this flamingo. They, they actually they had drawn it and tried to figure out what this thing is. It's such a unique looking bird. There's, there's so many unique creatures, but the flamingo is just a good example and it makes a really weird noise, too. It doesn't sound like a normal bird. You know, you'd think it to make a squawking noise, but it makes more of like a kind of a noise. It just doesn't really seem like it fits uh, fits with the with the, the structure of the, of the bird. But I use that as an example. And Linda and I were talking and I said, I mean, if you if you were just told about this very tall pink bird that makes this weird noise and all you saw were drawings of it in, in Europe, you might think that, you know, the, the people that came and, 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 and saw this thing or reportedly saw this thing were just making it up. They, they were just making the whole thing. Like, I've never actually interacted with a polar bear, so maybe they don't exist. I think polar bears exist. Uh, actually, they had one at a, at a, I think they have one at the, the zoo in, in Buffalo. My, my son was taken to see that a couple times. He likes polar bears. But I've never actually seen a polar bear up close that I can remember. 
if someone just ex- if if this wasn't the internet age or the age of modern technology and having an interconnected world and you just told me about a polar bear in the arctic region like i I don't know unless i go and see it and you know for for people that were explorers who went to explore and who documented uh you know the the animals the flora and the fauna that they saw people make mistakes it's not a lie people make mistakes they see things for the first time and they they draw them inaccurately or they describe them in a way that you know they're seeing them uh, but they might be seeing a unique form of that particular creature, bird, animal, whatever it is, uh, or plant. Uh, and the next time it's seen, it looks a lot different. So it's, th- th- but the point is, this is what leads to stories that we know and we tell today uh, that we would call cryptids, cryptozoology, the study of these bizarre, unique creatures. Uh, at one point, a flamingo was part of the cryptozoological record for some people because it just you can't imagine that this thing actually exists and cryptozoology today is kind of seen as a joke it's kind of seen as this like bottom tier of the mysterious and the unknown and the paranormal and personally i gotta say i'm not i'm not really a big fan of bigfoot i'm not really a bigfoot guy myself i like other cryptids and i'm just not into bigfoot but I'm interested in it still. I'm, I'm interested in hearing the story. I'm interested in listening to people tell their stories. I, you know, I I made uh, made a special trip down to the Skunk Ape Research Center in Florida. Never been there before. You know, I, there's the Skunk Ape and there's Bigfoot and there's the the Yeti or the Abominable Snowman. <laughs> there's I, I I'm aware of all that. I'm just not as interested in it. But the point is, these are stories that are of real things, whether they're this mysterious creature that has these almost supernatural powers or it's just a misunderstanding. People are seeing these things just like, you know, the Spanish salt flamingos, uh, just like uh, travelers in the Arctic interacted with polar bears, you know, or I mean, there's so many strange looking creatures all over the world. Uh, stuff pulled out of the ocean, uh, you know, I mean, giant squid, I mean, giant squid were thought to be just a, a, a fictitious story of sailors, you know, the Kraken. And then it turns out that giant squid are actually real things. And fishermen and sailors tend to exaggerate their stories. And so you mix the two together. You know, how big was the fish that you caught or almost caught? You mix the two together and you get these stories of the Kraken based on something real and then people are afraid of that and they start depicting their experiences or what other people experience. And we get these mythologies. But again, it's all based on something very real. It doesn't mean the whole story's real, but it's based on something real. Is the Kraken real? Yeah, the Kraken's real. It's probably just not, it's not the Kraken of mythology you think. But there are certainly giant squid, giant octopus. I mean, there are things, I was reading this article from Live Science uh, this morning This was from the 27th of February. Cruise liner guests encounter a giant jellyfish off the coast of Antarctica while diving in submersibles. They refer to this as an alien-like phantom jellyfish. It's a very strange-looking thing. This giant phantom jellyfish, one of the largest invertebrate predators of the deep sea, interacted with these people in the submersible little submarine type thing uh, back in 2022. This is just being reported. There's some kind of like uh, 
I think it's the journal journal Polar Research. Uh, a study was published on these these the giant jellyfish, sixteen uh, feet. I think it was like they're estimated the jellyfish were longer than sixteen feet. One was like thirty three feet long. This is massive, massive. I'm six foot one, so you know, at at very very at the very minimal, they're two. Uh, they're two times plus, you know, as as big as me, almost three times as as big as me. So that's big, and that's the small one. Uh, some of the bigger ones were clocked at thirty three feet in length, and they kind of look like it was a lot of a lot of you might have seen if you watch Ancient Aliens or something. A lot of these underwater creatures, like these giant jellyfish, they kind of have a UFO feel to them, and they have little things hanging off of them. You know, you ever see a Finding Nemo, it keeps swimming through the through the jellyfish and they bounce off the tops of them. The, the little things they have hanging off of them kind of reminds us of what was seen over Lake Huron, right? That little object with the things that were hanging off of it. Uh, or kind of reminds you of, you know, in a way that uh, Jordan Peele's movie Nope, with the very living UFO, very uh, alive UFO with those those little flags or banners hanging off of it because uh, it was eating stuff. Um, and it kind of has a, it has a UFO feel to it. I mean, you're floating in water and it has that mysterious looking movement to it. It, it. This leads a lot of people to think that, you know, jellyfish, octopus, squid, which are now considered sentient in the UK, that these things are, are alien or that there are, our oceans are basically uh, the domain of extraterrestrials, uh, literally or figuratively, uh, or you know these kinds of creatures exist in the ocean. What's to say these kinds of creatures couldn't exist, you know, out of the ocean? And this is what you know people are basically seeing: giant jellyfish, uh, and they're kind of translucent, and they're you know they're they have these you know the little tentacle type things hanging off of them, and they look like flying saucers, kind of. And you put all this, you put all this into consideration. And you just have to step back and, 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 and stop believing in absolutes and stop believing in polarities if you really want to understand uh, the mysterious world that we live in. And you have to also be able to recognize that it's, it's not just like we make fun of and we laugh at the con artists and the charlatans. And, you know, we generally speaking, we like oh, we, we, people say, well, I don't know if I can trust, you know, what the media says or what I'm learning in school. But that's really an understatement because, again, the, the Piltdown Man was mainstream archaeology for, what, 1912 to 1952, 53, like 40 years, a half a century almost. That was that was mandatory. You had to learn about Piltdown Man, but it was all fake. And, 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 and it was nationally driven by the English. We have the we have the missing link, but they didn't have the missing link. Uh, and it, it's kind of the same thing with like cryptozoology. People dismiss it. Cryptozoology, it's all made up. People are delusional. But when you look at cryptozoology, it's, it's actually based on the exploration of the planet and finding things that are weird to the explorers, like a flamingo. I actually had a little, I got rid of it, but I had a little pamphlet um, that was depictions and drawings of what Europeans saw in North America. And the flamingo was in it. It was this really bizarre bird that they had never seen before. And it was kind of magical and, and kind of mystical to them. Uh, again, the same thing with these giant jellyfish. Like, I, I didn't interact with these giant jellyfish, but that's just that's just what people have seen. Imagine what else is in the ocean. 
a lot of that stuff would be classified as cryptozoology. It's also more than Piltdown Man. It's also more than um, giant jellyfish and flamingos. But what about giants? You know, I, I don't have any doubt that giants, depending on how you dis- define them, are, are very real, like eight foot, nine foot, 10 foot giants. But many of them are hoaxes, like the Cardiff giant, for example. It's a hoax. Some things are hoaxes. Some things are real. Some things are very real, but are the basis for cryptid stories. Some things are real in the sense of it's a story that's told. It's something that happened like with Charles Dawson, but he planted evidence and created this fraud that lasted half a century. You know, what is real? What is not real? These are all things that we have to define if we're going to really understand uh, and break down the, the mysterious. But we have this other story out of Japan I wanted to share with you tonight. We come back from break. This mermaid that was found in Japan. They've, they've got like 12, I think I read. It was like a dozen uh, other mermaid-like creatures. And it's, it's a weird story. It's not exactly a mermaid per se. It's actually more of like a, like a hoax in order to do one of two things, to sell people medicine because people believe mermaids, kind of like unicorn horns, were uh, protection against disease. So it's kind of a snake oil, a mermaid oil, if you will, salesman but also because this has a mythological counterpart called the Ningyo. Uh, And we're going to talk about the details. Whoever made this thing could have intended to, you know, make it seem as if these mystical creatures were real um, and maybe make money off that or just to convince people, people, you know, fake Bigfoot sightings all the time or Bigfoot, you know, castings. Uh, We do the same thing today. Or it was to sell uh, the, the rich this powerful elixir against disease either way you slice it humans have been doing this for a very long time and it's something we're going to explore in greater detail when we come back from break i'm ryan gable this is the secret teachings don't go anywhere from ground zero to the secret teachings keep your dial tuned to ground zero radio It's 2023, the year of the rabbit, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings on GroundZero.radio. This is The Secret Teachings. If you'd like to contact the show, email Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com or find him on Facebook at facebook.com slash thesecretteachings. Hey there, it's Ryan Gable. You know you can always listen to The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday on GroundZero.radio. I don't need it. And for free in the monetized archives on our website or on any radio or podcast player. I don't need it. But you can also help support the show by subscribing to the ad-free archive with montages, digital books, and a private RSS feed. I definitely don't need it. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info and subscribe today. I need it. Your support economically and energetically will keep us on air into the future. If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, and from mythology to alchemy, then why not check out the book Occult Arcana? Maybe you want to look at technology, black goo, UFOs, and demonic pacts made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir. Or if that's not enough, check out Good Philosophy 
All three of these books are available in soft cover or PDF at www.thesecretteachings.info. That's where you can read reviews, see pictures, and even order yours today. It not only supports the secret teachings, but most importantly, it supports you. Broadcasting from somewhere between heaven, hell, and purgatory, it's The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Release the Kraken! Hello folks, this is Jordan Maxwell, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Excellent shows with your host, Ryan Gable. listening to the secret teachings radio i'm ryan gable your host thank you so much for tuning in tonight this morning whenever and wherever you are listening around the world if you're listening in the secret teachings archive i hope that you continue to do so please leave us a review you can download and stream the show if you didn't know you could download it you can download it for free you can also check out the free archive on our website thesecretteachings.info We are in the process of transitioning the subscription service to Aftermath, Aftermath Media. So you'll be able to get the show singularly or with Clyde Lewis's show and a bunch of other goodies. I think you also get Conspirifact as well. Otherwise, contact us if you have any questions about that transition, rdgable at yahoo.com. TST Radio at ProtonMail.com. If you're already a subscriber to The Secret Teachings, you do not lose your subscription. You get to keep it just as it is. www.thesecretteachings.info Tonight on the show, Piltdown Man, a hoax perpetrated for almost half a century. A missing link supposedly found by Charles Dawson. One man, Charles Dawson, created this hoax, took some human remains and some ape remains and stuck them into a little shallow gravel pit with some very, very old extinct species of animal and claimed that he had found the missing link just a few decades after Charles Darwin published his evolutionary theory. And it just so happened to be that the missing link was buried right outside of England. Quite convenient, wouldn't you say? Well, it was a little bit too convenient because in the 1950s, those remains were looked at again and it was found to be a hoax. But for about 40 years, in universities and in the press, people thought and people were told that Piltdown Man was real. And this is a very, very great example, a disturbing example of how wrong science can be, not because science is wrong, but because one individual, one person, wants to make a name for themselves. And they therefore discredit the entire field of archaeology or whatever it is that they're involved in. We look at things like this, 
and it makes the kinds of hoaxes perpetrated on social media and on YouTube look like amateur hour. And it is amateur hour. But the thing is also people like Charles Dawson were believed because he was an expert in his field. I can't help but think that Charles Dawson is in some way, shape, or form a more modern, if you will, in the 20th century, last hundred years at least, in terms of human history, kind of a contemporary, if you will, of Dr. Fauci. One person, although other people behind the scenes make decisions, one person that is the figurehead, the face of the big lie, discrediting his field of medicine and healthcare, etc., trusting government and doctors to perpetuate such a myth. Now, we have the internet today, so such myths and such lies are more easily combated, but they're also more easily distributed. We have more of them, but we can also figure out that they're misleading or misguided or they're hoaxes or they're lies or whatever the case is. It's psychological warfare. We can find out a lot quicker than having to wait 40 years for new science to tell us if those human and animal, human and ape remains were actually Piltdown Man, the missing link, or if they were just fraudulently introduced into the fossil record. This was done before computers, and today we just do it with computers. Like Pfizer says, we just we engineer viruses on a computer. We do it with a computer program. It's not done in real life. It's a simulation. Now, Piltdown Man is one example. I also use the flamingo, the bird, the flamingo as an example. Think about the flamingo, a very tall pink bird, very strange, very bizarre, very unique. The Europeans thought that the flamingo was a cryptid creature. The people that saw it and documented it and drew it and then took that back to Europe or sent that information back to Europe were looked at as crazy because that flamingo, we don't have flamingos in Europe. That's What are you talking about? That's a... Totally made-up bird. Totally made-up creature. I mean, if you witness something in nature and you don't understand it, don't know what it is, it could become a cryptid or some kind of mysterious plant. You know, that is only native to a certain region and no one else has ever seen it and people just think you made it up because it's not something that's known. It's not common. People don't know what it is. Others might know what it is that you saw, you go out hiking in the woods and might be able to describe it, define it, and, and categorize it. To you, you might have seen a cryptid. To others, they know exactly what it was. Uh, mythology is kind of similar to this. Mythology is really a scientific form of observation. A lot of myths are based on real events or locations like Troy or the countless locations in the Bible. We can therefore assume that many of the characters in the Bible were likewise real characters, real people. Uh, you know, the, the time period and the language barrier and all the translations make it much more difficult, along with the direct censorship and the removal of certain books and words and sentences. It makes it a lot more difficult to really discern what is happening in the Bible, but the Bible is a good example. Uh, whether it's a mythology book, which we consider to be totally fictitious, although it's based on real things, or it's the Bible, which is considered this religious, spiritual text, but it actually has a lot of really good scientific information in it in the same way that the Quran does or a lot of other holy texts or books. It also has a lot of historical information in it, a lot of good lessons, morals, values in it. It can't reduce it to just, oh, it's a spiritual book. It's just a, 
you know, you know, like the the Christian commercials, just call right now and we'll give you a free Bible and, you know, pray this prayer with me and you'll be saved. I mean, the, it's a very powerful book. There's a lot of information in that book. A lot of good stuff. Just like your average mythology book, you find at a used bookstore, yellow pages, dog-eared pages, kind of rough on the outside. But that book is uh, a treasure to future generations that might not have access to to the to that relevant information uh, that could be lost to time. Those are, I mean, I have a lot of mythology books, and I find them to be both mythology. Uh, and history, because there's a lot of history in the mythology. The point of me describing all this, a lot of this might seem really obvious to you, but but whether we call it cryptid creatures, mythology, you know, the Bible, spiritual texts, religious texts, all these things, like that, we have to, if we're going to have an honest conversation about the mysterious and the unexplained and hoaxes and things like this, uh, monsters and you know anything, you got to really define what it is that you're working with. You have to define what it is you're working with because you don't define it and you're just going on assumption and other people go on assumption. That's how that's how a lot of uh, a lot of fake stories get spread. Uh, just going on assumption or kind of interpreting interpreting something the way that you want to interpret it. Here's an interesting story out of Japan. A centuries-old mummified mermaid scientists recently revealed to be a kind of like a hybrid of animal parts, is a lot weirder than they had originally thought. In 2022, researchers discovered this mermaid. This was just reported on last Friday. The mermaid is 12 inches long, lying inside of a sealed wooden box within a Japanese temple in Okayama Prefecture. At the time, researchers thought it was made from the torso and head of a monkey. People love using monkeys to hoax. Charles Dawson must have been in Japan, too, a couple hundred years ago. Torso and head of a monkey sewed onto a decapitated fish's body. Now, this thing has been around for a very long time, so it's well-preserved. And whoever made this took a lot of time and put a lot of attention into the details. This hybrid, which resembles a ningyo from Japanese mythology, which is a mermaid, that uh, dwells, according to my Japanese mythology book and demonology book, dwells to the west of the world tree. It has a human face, a fish body, and no legs. From the chest up, it is human and like a fish below, also said to be human from the realms of D. So this is a mermaid or a ningyo, and whoever created this thing, this weird hybrid creature, uh, at the time, a couple hundred years ago, this is probably the 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 most uh, they the best ability they had, or the, the the only ability they had to create like genetic modifications. They just sewed things together. So this is literally like a, a giant fish. I mean, it, it's twelve inches long. I mean, not giant, but this is like a large fish cut in half, and then it's sewn together and preserved with a um, with like a, a part of a monkey. And some other stuff mixed together. And this thing was, this mermaid was on display in a glass case at that temple in Okayama Prefecture for, I think they said, uh, maybe a couple of decades. And then it was stored away for a couple of decades. There's a letter inside of the box claiming that the specimen was caught by a fisherman between 1736 and 1741. 
scientists in Japan believe that it was a hoax created years before that time period to sell affluent people medicine because the mermaid is like the unicorn horn. It's an elixir against disease. People that wanted to be healthy or that wanted to improve on their state of health, wanted to have a longer life, people that wanted to protect their families against disease, they would look for these kinds of things, looking for the mermaid, looking, you know, the unicorn horn, which was more popular in Europe. Researchers from Kuwashiki University of Science and the Arts in Japan took possession of the mermaid, and they did this uh, X-ray and CT scan. They did a radiocarbon dating, electron microscopy, and DNA analysis. They just published their findings a few days ago, and they said that the mermaid was not just this hybrid mixture of a fish and a monkey. The results show that the mermaid's torso did not belong to a monkey after all, but instead was made of cloth, paper, and cotton that was held together by metal pins running from the neck to the lower back. It had also been painted with a paste made from a mix of sand and charcoal. So this was really a work of art, whoever made this thing, uh, predating the 1700s, they, they think. The torso was covered in components stripped from other animals, mammal hair, fish skin from the puffer fish, covered parts of the arms, the shoulders, the neck, and the cheeks. The mermaid's jaw and teeth were taken from a predatory fish, they believe. Its claws were made from, um, uh, I, th- I think it's called like, Keratin, uh, meaning that it came from an, a, a real animal, but something that they have yet to identify. And the lower half of the, the mermaid was some kind of fish. They, they think it's a croaker fish, which is a rayed fin fish. Uh, and they're not a, 100% sure, but it's like a weird mixture of, of a fish, of what they thought was a monkey, but it's actually sewn together with like paper and cotton. And it, I mean, it's, it's, it's a work of art. Uh, now the researchers were not able to identify the complete DNA from this quote-unquote mermaid. Uh, radiocarbon dating of the scales indicate they could date as far back as the 1800s. They, they thought it could go back further than that, though, j- just the scales, um, but it could go back further than that. And the new analysis suggests that the mermaid was most likely created to trick people into believing that ninjos and their supposed healing abilities were real. This is what the researchers believe. However, it also shows that the tricksters behind the creation also put much more effort into stitching together the counterfeit creature than expected. There are more than a dozen mermaids that have been found in Japan, and the team hopes to analyze the other ones as well. It's a really weird story, right? Really strange story. And whoever went through the process of sewing together the fish and the cloth and the paper and the cotton and taking parts from other fishes and taking teeth and uh, mammal hair. And I mean, they, they created something that has lasted hundreds of years and it's a, a really good hoax Uh, with new technology. Obviously we can see that it was, it is a hoax, but you know, for the time with all the craftsmanship, the Japanese are known for the aesthetics and the craftsmanship. Uh, they, whoever made this, they, a person or a group of people, they really put a lot of effort and time into this thing. And people 
of that time period. Not that they were stupid by any means, but they probably believed that this was a real ningyo. You know, the I mean, the, all of Japanese society is is really inundated with with spirits. So, you know, the kami, uh, and and like most cultures, you know, have this this fascination with the spirit realm. So the ningyo, a couple hundred years ago, you have this physical thing that looks. They put a lot of effort into this. Probably convinced a lot of people that it was a real mermaid, that it was a a, a real mystical creature. And I, I was thinking about what a mermaid is. Like I've, you can go online and you can find. I'm sure actually I could probably type it in and find it right now. Uh, mermaids have been seen off the coast of of islands and countries for hundreds, for thousands of years, um, and they're not they're they're not what you think they are. Uh, but back in October of last year, there was a story uh, somewhere in Israel. This is live science. Somewhere in Israel, uh, the town of Kiryat Yam, near the coast there, uh, they believe that um, they've seen a mermaid there, I think it was. Uh, let me see if I can find this story. Yeah, mermaid sighting claimed in Israel. They actually have a uh, locals and tourists in Israel, the Israeli town of Kiryat Yam, have been flocking to the coast in hopes of glimpsing a creature that most people believe only exists in fairy tales. The alleged mermaid, said to resemble a cross between a fish and a young girl, only appears at sunset. It performs a few tricks for onlookers before disappearing for the night. So whether it's in Israel or it's in Japan, you know, people have been seeing these kinds of things for a very long time. And this is a recent story, uh, October 14th, 2022. Uh, the, 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 the mummy uh, in Japan, this mummy, mermaid mummy, uh, was actually found last year, but they've got like a dozen of these things. They just did the analysis of it and, and published that a few weeks ago. So that's the time frame of the article. But it's, it's kind of like, the, you know, the kraken, right? The giant squid. People thought that was a, a myth. And then in, in a way, it was a myth. Sailors and fishermen that tend to famously and, you know, jokingly exaggerate what they almost caught. Um, that's kind of the idea of where the Kraken came from, but it's also a very real thing. Giant squid are very real. Giant octopus are very real. You see how the, the myth can form based on misidentification. You know, you're on the sea, you witness this giant creature. It's terrifying. You don't know what this creature is or what it's going to do, or it's so big. It's, it stuns you. You tell the story, it's also always a little bit bigger. It's always a little bit more uh, nasty or dangerous than, than what really happened. It could have just swam by the ship and nothing else happened. Uh, but people make up stories, and they don't always make them up for nefarious reasons. Sometimes people make up stories because they really believe that's what they saw, then that becomes ingrained, and they tell their story, they write a book, they're in doing radio interviews, whatever. Uh, there's just always so many different levels and so many different descriptions and definitions. There's, there's just so much to consider when we're talking about uh, myths and cryptid creatures and monsters and demons, things that are very real, but also things that are not as real as you might think they are. There's a, and likewise, there's a basis for mermaids, you know, uh, I've read all sorts of different things on 
you know, where the idea of the mermaid comes from, you know, just a, a young girl out in the water and, you know, just her torso and whatnot is above the water and beautiful young woman and, you know, maybe a sailor or somebody near the water. Uh, they didn't know who this girl was and they, they look out and they see a girl in the water and she's half human, half under the water, half human, half fish. The mermaid comes to life. It's the same thing with any kind of mythological creature. Uh, same thing, like, again, Europeans thought that the flamingo was a cryptid creature in the same way that we think Bigfoot is a cryptid creature. But in some parts of the world, Bigfoot, you know, the Yeti, whatever you choose to call it, is not really a cryptid creature. It's it's part of the lexicon. It's part of, you know, the, the belief. This is a very real thing. It's not just something that people hoax. And so, it, it, I mean, and we, we can apply that to the mermaid. Look at this mermaid in Japan. It's clearly not a real mermaid. Uh, but the people that went through the process of gathering mammal hair, hair and fish teeth and the fish and, you know, cotton and paper and cloth and sewing it all together. And it's lasted hundreds of years and been well preserved. It's mummified. They did this to convince people that the ningyo was real, that the mermaid was real. And that hoax for a long time in Japan for the people that saw this probably thought, yeah, mermaids aren't just a myth. These things are, are actually real. Like, it's not just the idea of a, of a woman half above water, half below water, or a man for that matter. This is a very real thing. I've seen it with my own eyes. In fact, this, this mermaid mummy uh, in Okayama Prefecture was kept on display at a temple and was worshipped by people. For a very long time, people were worshipping something that was to totally a, a work, just a piece of art. But, it, but the thing is, if it has power to them, if it, if it has meaning to them, then it has power. And that's, that's the thing about, let's call it magic, or that's the thing about religion, or whatever it might be. Like I, I, Last night, I was talking with uh, Michael from Beyond the Forbidden. I know Michael listens to this show, so I want to give a shout out to Michael from Beyond the Forbidden. Uh, nice open forum podcast that he has interviewed a lot of great people and he brought up the the mesa which i actually mentioned on the show this week the mesa the oil derived from the fat of a crocodile on the nile river and this is how the pharaohs were anointed and he said that his he uh, uh, i think it was a pastor at one of his churches when he was a kid uh, said that the oil that they were using to anoint people in the church was actually from an alligator or from a crocodile and he said he didn't, he didn't know if that was true or not. He did some research and he found precisely that the oil from a crocodile fat, a crocodile alligator fat, was used to anoint the pharaohs in Egypt. That's a very real thing. Mesa, Messiah, call them the Messiah. And he said, you know, maybe it was just olive oil or some kind of oil. And we talked about uh, on his show last night, well, yeah, even if it was olive oil, though, it fulfills the same purpose. So it still has this magical, mystical power to it. In the same way that this mermaid in Japan is clearly a hoax, it's clearly a, it's a mummified hoax, actually, they have very good condition, but it was worshipped in a temple for, for decades. And the time it was in the temple, people thought it was real, and they really believed it, or they really paid respects to it. So to the, the individual who did that, even though it's a hoax, it has meaning and it still has the same kind of power as if the mermaid was real. I, I just think that we 
are always on the lookout for proving something absolutely real or absolutely not real. When when we're talking about cryptos, uh, cryptozoology, we're talking about mermaids and we're talking about uh, demons and we're talking about uh, what is real and what's not real. These are things that are much more complex than absolutes. Like, can you say, is a mermaid real? Well, define a mermaid. Like, yes, the idea is it's a very real thing, but how do you describe it? It's not some, you know, mythical creature like a, like a Pokemon, but it's, it's based on something very, very real. And this, this hoax is a really good hoax in Japan, this mummified mermaid, and they've got a bunch of these things. And it might have been used to, uh, the researchers believe this, I, I, this is what came to my mind too, uh, the researchers believe that it was probably used to convince people that the Ningyo was real to sell them the healing powers. So it was like mermaid oil, if you will, to sell them the, the, the uh, healing powers of the mermaid because the mermaid is believed to have these incredible healing powers in the same way that unicorns have healing powers. In fact, in the 17th century, newspaper advertisements were posted in London and other places with notice of elixirs being sold containing, quote, true unicorn horn. That potion was thought by many to relieve ulcers, fainting episodes, melancholy, scurvy, epilepsy, stomach trouble, lymph node swelling due to tuberculosis, and of course, just generally speaking, to protect the body from poison. Nancy Hathaway tells in her book The Unicorn of such a story. She writes of the English King James I determined to figure out if a purchased unicorn horn was actually from the uh, mystical, mysterious creature. She wrote this, James summoned a favorite servant and instructed him to drink a draught of poison to which powdered unicorn horn had been added. The servant did so, and James could not have been more unpleasantly surprised when the servant promptly expired because the unicorn horn wasn't real. But the unicorn horn was thought and has been for thousands of years thought to be an elixir against poison because mystical, magical creatures that don't have the same, don't abide by the same laws of nature, if you will, that the rest of the animal and and, and human kingdom, if you will, abide by, they have powers. And so whether it's a unicorn or it's a ningyo, a mermaid, they have these incredible otherworldly powers that can be bestowed on man. Problem is... Most of the mermaids are hoaxes or misidentifications, but it's still a very real thing in, uh, let's say, in both pop culture and in mythology and in cryptozoology. I'd say a mermaid is kind of like a cryptid creature. Uh, and it's, it's a real thing in the human mind, so we believe it. So it, it does become a real thing. It's just not real in the same way that we go outside and, oh, look, there's a, there's a lizard or there's a bird. Um, that would be defined as real in a, in a different way. Uh, it's a good book, Nancy Hathaway's The Unicorn. And that story about uh, English King James the uh, the first. So, you know, we you think of things like this, and you might think that they're confined to mythology or you know very specific kinds of um, let's say kinds of scholarly studies like Nancy Hathaway's work. But in fact, if you are a fan of the Bible, did you know that the unicorn is actually mentioned in the Bible? There's reference to the unicorn in the book of Numbers, 24.8. There's different variations of it, but it goes something like this. God brought him forth out of Egypt. He hath, as it were, the strength of an unicorn. He shall eat up the nations 
his enemies and shall break their bones and pierce them through with his arrows. Unicorns were written about in the Bible. In fact, there's several references to unicorns, whether it's the strength of a unicorn, which is very powerful, very mystical, very magical, like its healing powers, uh, or other references to the unicorn. Uh, even the Roman naturalist Pliny the Elder wrote in his encyclopedic natural history of the unicorn as being the fiercest animal, very powerful, mystical, mysterious animal. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. More on the unicorn and the mermaid when we come back from break. Don't go anywhere. It's 2023, the year of the rabbit, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings on GroundZero.radio. Want to hear more of The Secret Teachings radio show? Search for the show on any radio or podcast player or find links and a free archive at thesecretteachings.info. If you want to get rid of those annoying ads and get extra perks like access to the montage archive, digital copies of Ryan's books, and early access to the show, then subscribe to the full show archive at thesecretteachings.info. Visit the website and click the button that says subscribe. You can do so monthly, yearly, or through a one-time donation. Your support always keeps the secret teachings on the air. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to the secret teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm the last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's the secret teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. If you enjoy the secret teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, visit the website and grab a physical and digital copy of Ryan's books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, magic, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. Food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. And remember, shipping is always included. Some restrictions exist for international. Visit thesecretteachings.info. This is David John Oates from ReverseSpeech.com. You are listening to The Secret Teaching with Ron Gable. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is the frequency of The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. You are listening to The Secret Teachings Radio. Tonight, a really weird, bizarre show talking about hoaxes, unicorns, and mermaids that might sound a little bit too mystical for some people. I hope that you're enjoying the show, though. In Japan, scientists have been examining what they say is a mermaid, although it is a mummified mermaid, and they have about a dozen or more of these mermaids. They're called Ningyo, N-I-N-G-Y-O is the Romanized version, Ningyo. And these are creatures that in Japan, as is the case around the world, are believed to have mystical powers. And mystical powers usually means they have the power to heal disease or prevent disease or to prolong life. This particular mummified mermaid is a sophisticated hoax. It actually took hundreds of years up until 
recent times when scientists decided to investigate this from Kurashiki University of Science and Arts in Japan, that they found that this creature, which they thought was part monkey, part fish, and was sewn together, was actually part fish, part mammal, part cloth, part paper, part cotton, all of which were sewn together to create this elaborate-looking thing, which was actually worshipped in a temple in Okayama for decades. And then it was put away in a box for about 40 years. Some think it dates to the 1800s, maybe even before that. There was a little note in the box that said a fisherman caught this species or whatever this thing was sometime in the early to mid-1700s. Might have been a hoax created before, might have been a hoax created after. They don't really know, but they've done a little bit of uh, dating to it, radiocarbon dating and other kinds of dating. They find that the scales of the fish date to the late 1700s to early 1800s. It's, it's probably, you know, uh, around that, that time frame. It makes a lot of sense from what the researchers said. I read this, this report that they had uh, translated into English, of course. And they say that they believe the mermaid, this fake mermaid, was created to trick people into believing that ningyos and their healing powers were real. Maybe it was to sell some time with this monster or this mermaid or this ningyo so that people could be healed or people could um, acquire uh, longevity whatever it is that people were looking for. And it just reminds me, it makes me aware that hundreds of years ago, you know, you get the idea of snake oil salesmen. But hundreds of years ago, the same exact kind of a thing was happening that today we would, we would find this kind of a hoax perpetrated without proof on YouTube or on TikTok or any other social media platform. Today, people make outrageous claims of the healing powers of, remember Jordan say that the healing powers of that bleach stuff that he was, he was promoting, the mineral, miracle, miracle, mineral solution, whatever it was. You know, the, just like the, the, all the doctors, I, I mentioned this last, all the doctors that are like, don't get a vaccine, buy my supplements or my products, and it'll, it'll, it'll protect you from the shedding. Or if you did get a vaccine, buy my product and... It'll eliminate the spike protein. You know, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think I can trust a lot of these quote-unquote alternative medicines because they do sound like snake oil, and most of them are. You can't quantify the claims that are being made. That doesn't mean I believe mainstream medicine. I'm not going to take a Pfizer or a Johnson & Johnson vaccine. I rarely, rarely ever take any kind of pill unless I'm in absolute extreme pain and then I look down at that bottle and I see like Bayer and I'm thinking I don't know if I even want to take this you know even if it's just like a, a small painkiller if I have like um I don't know a migraine or whatever the case is I just don't trust it so maybe you can put me into a different category I don't really trust the mainstream and I don't really trust the alternative I don't trust your vaccines, and I also don't trust your supplemental products that are supposed to eliminate the poisons of the vaccines. Do you see a parallel between the mermaid from Japan about 200 plus years ago 
have these mystical qualities, able to heal you or protect you from getting sick, or it was able to bestow longevity to you. It wasn't real, but some people probably believed it was real, and maybe they were able to derive some sort of positive, beneficial thing from it. You know, if you believe you're going to be healthy, the power of the mind is very substantial and the power of the mind might make you healthy again. I mean, it's the same thing when someone is like dying in the hospital or on, they're on their deathbed. If they believe they're going to die, they're probably going to die. Even if you don't believe you're going to die and you think you're going to live, you still might die. But if you really, really have the will to live, you probably will live a lot longer than someone who doesn't have the will to live. It's like when a, a husband or wife dies, they've been married for 40 years, and then the other one dies within a couple of weeks. You know? Or, uh, you know, somebody dies, and then they've had, you know, they've had a dog for 10 to 15 years. They die, and then the dog dies, or something to that effect. The broken heart syndrome, which is a very real thing. So, the power of belief. If you believe the mermaid is real, maybe you actually acquire some kind of healing powers from it. And I mean, to be fair to the grifters and the charlatans online and at conferences and all over the place, it's very possible that people can derive positive, beneficial thoughts or experiences or they can be inspired positively from listening to those hoaxers and those tricksters. Doesn't mean that we should be happy and accept that there's a lot of people selling false information. But there's nothing wrong with necessarily believing that something good could happen. You know, buying some kind of alternative health product because it gets rid of the spike protein. That's probably... That's probably some bullshit. Same thing with vaccines. 100% effective. No, nothing is really 100% effective except the fact that nothing is 100% effective. That's 100% true. Nothing's 100% effective. A lot of it has to do with what you believe. You see this on, on both sides. Uh, the polarizing sides of medicine. And when, when we apply this to, let's say, archaeology, it's, it's amazing that with scars like Piltdown Man on its body, mainline academia, which perpetuated the Piltdown hoax, one of many, for 40 years plus, and took money from people to educate them for 40 years plus and told the press and told the public this is this is real and the press made money everybody made money everybody had a good time and education was based on here's the we have the missing link but it was all made up it wasn't real it's fake an academy with those kinds of scars on their record can somehow dictate to us today that, oh, well, people like Graham Hancock, he doesn't know what he's talking about. He's a, a hoaxer or he's a fraud. He's just trying to make money. Anybody who's ever said that probably has never met Graham Hancock and probably has never read one of his books. You're going to need to lift some weights if you want to read one of his books because they're gigantic because they're filled with countless references and personal experiences and 
with a lot of commentary of him saying, I don't know for sure, but this is what I think it is. Isn't this, a, is this an interesting parallel or correlation? But for some reason, people like Graham Hancock are wrong, but people like Charles Dawson, they're right. Sure. For some reason, all the, of, uh, all the alternative health, like, I don't know, taking care of yourself, that's wrong. But letting pharmaceutical companies with a long history of experimenting on the public, letting them take care of you, that's, that's right. That makes sense. Perfect sense. I don't know if anybody saw Roseanne Barr's new stand-up. <laughs> she's got that. She's got that bit about. She's like, "You trust the government?" <laughs> yeah, really. You trust the government now. You trust the pharmaceutical companies. They're just like the the, the people that sewed up this mummy in Japan two three hundred years ago. It's like, you don't trust government, you don't trust pharmaceutical companies, but you trust Jordan Sather, who worked at the Smoothie King, to tell you how to cure COVID at a time when COVID-19 wasn't even isolated and identified, and it still hasn't been, but wasn't even isolated and identified. So how can someone have a cure to something that even the mainstream community has yet to isolate and identify? It's a hoax. It's a scam. They do it for money. They do it for clout. They do it for sex. They do it for power. They do it for the illusion of those things. They're really hollow inside. I mean, even if the people that made this mummy in Japan were did it to make money, to sell this idea to people, it might have actually been more beneficial than some of the garbage and nonsense that people sell you today. I mean, at least, at least with this mummy and, and the idea of the, of the ningyo being real and providing healing powers, at the very least... At least maybe people would have believed they were getting they were getting healed and they and they were um, in contact with something mystical and mysterious. And that led to them believing that uh, there was they were going to have a positive experience or they were going to recover. You know, at least that might be perceived as positive. But what do you get out of people like David Cossens and 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 Marina Serin? They're talking to the Federation or to aliens and they know things. You can't see the ships, but they can see the ships and they're talking to the aliens and you can't talk to the aliens and the blue chickens are just Corey Good's experience. Nothing positive comes out of that. That's all just garbage. That's all nonsense. That's all made up. That's all fiction. That's all a hoax. That's all IP, intellectual property. It's admittedly made up. Nothing good comes from those hoaxes. And objectively speaking, maybe this ningyo in Japan, maybe this, this, this harmed people, maybe this hurt people. But this, this was also in a temple for a very long time, and people paid their respects to it, and that probably led to beneficial, positive spiritual ex- experiences because of, of the sacredness of the temple, the sacredness of, of the idea, at the very least, particularly in, in Japanese society. It, it probably had positive, beneficial qualities to it, but, you know, when you apply the same kind of an idea to hoaxes and fraudsters today, it's there really is very little <laughs> that could be perceived as positive. And I mean, unless you confuse the positive with de- the delusional. And then it's a different story. Uh, and those kinds of, you know, hoaxes and tricks can be can be deadly, as Nancy Hathaway explained in her book, The Unicorn. Just like the Ningyo, the unicorn is believed to have, because it's a mystical, mysterious creature, 
have these healing powers. And Nancy Hathaway writes of the English King James I, who purchased a unicorn horn, and he was smart enough to know that it might not be real, so he had a, uh, a servant test the horn. So they ground it up and they put it into a drink, which was poisonous. And uh, you thought that it was dangerous to be around the Clintons. Well, how about one of these kings from Europe or something? Uh, they just, just to test to see if what they bought was real or not, they just killed their servant. Uh, the servant drank the poison with the ground up unicorn and died. But then I guess maybe if you had like a, a good doctor at the time, they might have been like, well, maybe we didn't put enough of the horn in the drink. Maybe we needed to put the whole thing in the drink to prevent the poison from killing the guy. But it uh, turns out it was a, it was a hoax and, it, and hoaxes, therefore, can be quite deadly. But, you know, a hoax is one of those words that I, I, and, you know, I know I, I perceive what I say. Like, I'm aware of what I'm saying. I'm aware of, 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 of what I talk about on this show. I'm very consciously aware. And sometimes I know it kind of sounds philosophical. Like, people ask me, what do you think of UFOs? I'm like, well, define a UFO. I'm not trying to be combative. I'm, I'm being, like, very sincere. Please define what you think is a UFO. How do you describe a UFO? I can't answer that question unless you define what it is. Like, do you think there's Satanism in the music industry? Well, define Satanism. Because I'm not just going to say it's satanic. I'm just not going to just say it's evil. But based on what is being promoted, based on the images, the symbols, the ideas, based on the consistency of it and the patterns of it, based on the rejection of God, the rejection of nature, the rejection of all that is good and holy, once we get through all that, then yeah, it, it's probably satanic. But I'm not just going to call it satanic because we have to define what that word means. Yeah, the same way you got to define what, what is a hoax. How do you define what a mermaid is? Is a mermaid real? Well, based on this this quote-unquote hoax in Japan, it's a very real thing that could have had positive, beneficial, um, uh, or could have had positive, beneficial type of a thing, could have been a positive, beneficial type of a thing, I mean, to the people that that honored it at the temple or to the people that paid for the healing powers. It's, it's just, it's like a, it's like a circus. A sucker is born, you know, every minute. You know, it's, it's, it's like a, a flea circus or something, right? It's not, it's not real, People imagine that it's real, but people also want to be entertained. And sometimes people want to be kind of ripped off. You know, something's a rip off, but you pay for it anyway. You want to have fun. You know, but, you know, again, the, the, the modern hoaxes are almost almost dangerous, as dangerous as a, you know, as a unicorn horn. But these all these ideas, though, they come from from somewhere. Obviously, they're not just totally made up. They come from somewhere. Uh, they come from, uh, you know, like the biblical stories about towns and cities and people. It's real. Uh, mythologies about towns and cities and people. It's real. Uh, and mythology is kind of like science. The Bible is kind of like history. Mythology is also kind of like history. I mean, you know, even the unicorn, this mystic, mythic, mythical, mystical, mysterious creature. It's three M's. Mystical, mysterious, mythical, mystic, mysterious, mythical, mystic, mysterious, mythical. These creatures are also talked about in the Bible. Did you know that? Unicorns are actually in the Bible. Does that mean unicorns are true because it's the word of God? Or is the unicorn kind of um, a reference point or a euphemism? According to the Roman naturalist Pliny the Elder, in his encyclopedic natural history, the unicorn is the fiercest animal, and it is said that it is impossible to capture one alive. It has the body of a horse, 
the head of a stag, the feet of an elephant, the tail of a board, and a single black horn three feet long in the middle of its forehead. Its cry is a deep bellow. Probably something that people mistook out in nature, mixed with things that people made up, mixed with misidentifications, mixed with hoaxes, and you get your unicorn. Back in Roman times, it was a thing. Back in biblical times, it was a thing. Most historians actually relate this description of this unicorn that uh, Pliny the Elder wrote about to an Indian rhinoceros, which many believe is the historical foundation for the unicorn. The creature doesn't really have a real horn. It has these hair tissues that have grown together, but nonetheless, it is unicorn-like. In the 7th century, the scholar Isidore of Seville wrote of how powerful unicorns were thought to be and that they are very strong and that the creatures and um, uh, the, 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 the horn of the creature can pierce anything that it attacks. Isidore wrote, it fights with elephants and kills them by wounding them in the belly. It's a very tricky creature. The only way that you can catch one is to use a virgin girl who has her breasts exposed. I'm not talking about pedophilia here. I'm talking about a young virgin maiden who exposed her breasts, and this is how the unicorn was captured. It's probably a bunch of guys who were like, yeah, we need you to take your shirt off, and that's how we're going to catch this unicorn. But the unicorn never comes. <laughs> but uh, in all seriousness, these kinds of stories develop for silly reasons and also for very serious reasons. Uh, the, the horn of the unicorn, like the mermaid in general, is believed to have these mystical, magical powers because it is a, an abnormal thing. Uh, if it's not uh, a, a typical creature that we know, a normal thing that we interact with every day, then it's something from beyond. And things from beyond, beyond whether they're aliens, we think are, you know, the aliens that have these, these incredible technologies, we assume, or it's spirits and demons we communicate with. Give me this, give me that, give me this, give me that. We always think they always have some other kind of power. And that's why we think mermaids, and that's why we think different sorts of uh, creatures like unicorns have these mystical powers. Uh, the Ningyo, which is the mermaid in Japan, uh, it actually dates back to the earliest written histories of Japan. The first written sightings in Japan are found in the Nihon Shoki, one of the oldest books of classical Japanese history. dates back to 619. The flesh of the Ningyo is believed to grant eternal life, not just healing the sick, but more than just longevity, eternal life. And it's believed that if you, if you have a young person eat it, um, they can live forever. It might not work as much with an older person, but if a young person eats it, then they can live forever. And so there's a lot of folklore, a lot of myth based around the, the mermaid. And maybe there's so many of these, these mermaids in Japan, they found a bunch of these things that are mummified because people were eating them, trying to live forever. And, well, they didn't live forever. Uh, the, this is really interesting, the, 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 the history, the myth of the Ningyo. Uh, if, you tr if you try to eat it, if you try to eat the, the mermaid, something that most people don't want to do, uh, even though they want the eternal life, uh, historically, mythologically speaking, it's very dangerous because the Ningyo will place a powerful curse on anyone who tries to wound or capture it, and especially if anybody tries to eat it. So 
it'll grant you eternal life, but if you try to capture it, it'll curse you forever. Uh, it'll curse you, kill you, etc. Some legends tell of entire towns that were swallowed up by earthquakes or tidal waves after a fisherman captured a ningyo and brought it back to the town. So the ningyo, the mermaid, is a powerful creature. It has all these incredible abilities, but you have to beware because if you try to capture one, it might curse you. And that's the kind of a thing that we find with a lot of mythological characters, a lot of stories. And, you know, whether you're talking about mermaids in Japan or mermaid sightings in Israel, a lot of times it's just somebody in the water and you see half human, half below the water, half fish. That's where the mermaid comes from, essentially. But then this lore develops around it. People think they see it. The same thing with UFOs, right? UFOs. Kenneth Arnold sees discs skipping across the water is how he kind of describes these, these craft. Saucers skipping across water, he says. And the Oregonian newspaper says, flying saucers. And then everybody picks up flying saucers. And then what do people start to see? Flying saucers. Even though before that, before 1947, mostly what was being seen were ghost rockets and you know the cigar-shaped uh, objects and Foo Fighters, little balls of light. It's like we manifest those things into existence. I mean, generation after generation, culture after culture, hundreds, thousands of years after thousands of years, with so much attention and energy and, and power that goes into the worship of goddesses like Isis or Astarte or uh, Ishtar or Ameterasu uh, or Quetzalcoatl or Veracocha or Osiris, uh, you name it. They become these real things. Uh, these reservoirs of energy that can be tapped into. Same thing with these mystical, magical creatures, whether it's a ningyo or it's a unicorn, whether it has healing powers or it's just the healing power of the mind, uh, the, 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 the realization that there's something powerful and mysterious beyond the physical, that realization of God, if you will, and that realization of God in witnessing the mermaid and trying to capture it and you know, eat of its flesh like Jesus, you know, eating of his flesh and drinking his blood, gain an everlasting eternal life to consume that which is the mysterious, uh, whether you're physically eating it or you're consuming it. You know, we say we consume content, we consume audio and video, et cetera. We consume these things. Well, it's in our head. We're eating it. We're consuming it. And by realizing there's the mysterious, this untapped reservoir of knowledge and wisdom, et cetera, for most people, it's untapped. Not knowledge of that is eternal life. Knowledge of Christ, knowledge of you know the, the morals and the guidance that Christ offers, that is the knowledge, once you consume it, that grants you everlasting life. It's not a physical everlasting life, but you know, for people that sold this mermaid in Japan, they probably believe we're selling physical everlasting life. But but it's more so the idea of consuming the the, the knowledge, obtaining the wisdom and the experience, and then once you realize there's something animating the physical world, there's a God, there's creator, there's divinities, there's kami, there's spirits, there's ningyo, there's whatever. Then once you consume it, you have everlasting life. And I think that's really at the core of those kinds of myths, those kinds of ideas. Um, and of course, a lot of it can also be perpetuated, not because an individual is trying to sell you something, but because culturally there develops this sort of collective hysteria. 
For example, think of the witch's mark. You know the witch's mark? The witch's mark is basically a, a birthmark on a woman. And people who believed, I mean, this wasn't just in the Massachusetts area and the Salem witch trials and whatnot. This is all over Europe as well. People who believe that some women were witches, they would derobe them. Another reason to get women naked. And then they would look over their body. They found a birthmark. That was the mark of the devil that was placed there by the devil at the black mass. And the, the hysteria is such that, I mean, you can find that birthmark on probably any woman you look at. Virtually every person has a birthmark. I mean, every man has a birthmark, like everybody has a birthmark. So you could selectively use it, not only to get women naked, but then to identify the witches and to crack down on the sorcery that you believe is is you know causing the crops to fail or causing this or causing that. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's like saying anybody who has hair is, is a witch. Well, like everybody has hair, right? It's like the vague symptoms of COVID-19. If you think you have COVID-19, you actually have it. If you think she's a witch, she's an actual witch. It's hysteria. And the same kind of hysteria can be applied to, I mean, look at QAnon. QAnon is a hysterical thing. The obsession that people have with Donald Trump is a, is a hysterical thing. The obsession that people have hating Donald Trump is a hysterical thing. The obsession people have with hating what QAnon or what Pizzagate represented, very real things, pedophilia, child trafficking, human trafficking, sex abuse, powerful people, those are very real things, but the hysteria people have for the conspiracy theory goes both ways, and you just you can't figure out what's real. It's As an individual, you have to step back from it, figure out what is being said, figure out what is happening, try to find context, and then all these things that we call mysterious and magical and the occult and the esoteric and cryptozoology and mythology and spirituality and philosophy, in, in my view, they start to make a lot more sense. But it takes a lot to, to sift through and to dig through. And it's a lot easier just to make blanket, general, absolute statements of for or against something because that's you know what most people have time to hear. And that's what sounds more fantastic. Absolutely yes or absolutely no. Sounds more fantastic, more incredible. It's really more believable because we're so, as humans, fascinated with the unknown that any glimpse we get of the other side, even if it's a hoax, it, it draws us and pulls us in. I'm here to tell you that that stuff is real depending on how you define it. It's not absolutely fake or absolutely a hoax. There are real things that are beyond the scope of the material. Uh, when we unite the two worlds together, rather than obsessing over the material or obsessing over the spiritual or the, the non-physical, if you unite the two together, then everything, in my opinion, in my experience, makes a whole lot more sense. And that's what we try to do here on The Secret Teachings. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Again, I'm Ryan Gable. I've been doing radio for about 14 years. It'll be 14 years this year. The Secret Teachings since 2013. Professionally, for about seven or eight years now, you can find The Secret Teachings at thesecretteachings.info. If you have your subscription, you can keep your subscription. Otherwise, things are in the process of being shifted over to Aftermath Media. So you'll get Clyde's show, my show, Conspirafact, and other things on Aftermath, uh, other goodies 
with the premium subscription, or you'll just get my show if you subscribe directly to my show. And when you subscribe there, or when you have your subscription that renews through the secretteachings.info, which again, you can keep that, you support the show. You keep us on air. Nobody pays us to do what we do and tells us what we can and can't say. But you do keep us on air with your support. When you buy a book at thesecretteachings.info, it supports us. Please do that. Please help us out. Please share the show. I'd really appreciate it. Stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy. And we'll talk to you on the next broadcast. Mm -hmm.